All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Keel Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne, and I am your host. And it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of exceptional people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. If you are enjoying the journey and these conversations, please do give us a little love wherever you're listening. These reviews, stars, and your comments do go a long way, so we really appreciate them. Lastly, before we dive in, this podcast is supported by Keo, which is our daily mental fitness app. All these incredible guests end up loaded in-app to help guide you through your daily mental fitness. So just search KYO in the Apple App Store and it will pop up. Thank you as always for listening and for your attention. Have the best day yet. Today I'm chatting with Armin who is pure passion and just awesome energy. You really can't help but smile when in his presence. So it's not surprising that he's been part of Just for Laughs for over 10 years now. He's currently the director of national sponsorships and is also leveling up his own personal stand-up comedy. Now, just given he is known for being that bright light of energy in any room does not mean he has not had to face his own mental health challenges. And We talk about this. We talk about how he got out of his severe depression and also how he's currently um, processing a very traumatic experience which was the loss of his younger brother earlier this year PJ and this this conversation in this episode is actually dedicated to him one thing I would like to note about this conversation for longtime listeners you probably will notice a little bit of uh, a different setup or um, some additional conversation with someone named Kim in, in the episode, we were actually in a legit studio recording this, actually thanks to Armin. So we were playing with, uh, with the setup a bit. Kim was, was the producer helping engineer the audio and making sure that everything was working. So that's what's going on in the background, just to let everyone know. Hopefully we can do more episodes in, in the studio. It was actually a really great experience. Yeah, so enjoy this conversation with Armin and myself. So, Armin, who are you? I'm Armin. <laughs> who are you, Mark? I'm Mark. <laughs> you know, what, what, what really defines you? Good question. Um, I'm a male. Yeah. I'm 31 years old. Okay. I live in Toronto, Ontario. Been a Canadian all my life. I'd say a Montrealer defines me better than a guy who lives in Toronto now. Sure. Born and raised in Montreal. Um, I'm active. But I'd say more than active. I think the word that describes me most, especially if you don't know me, is probably animated. Very animated character. I would agree. You would agree. Um, I'm passionate, very passionate about things in general. Anything I kind of throw myself into, I'm really passionate about. I'm passionate about comedy. Yeah. I've been working in comedy. I love comedy. Ha ha. Ha ha. (laughs) Giggles. Ha ha ha. Chuckles. Um, And who am I? I'm uh, Persian. Right, okay. Iranian. My parents are both from Iran. Very proud of my culture. I don't associate to Iranians in general. Like, if I was to pick a group, I'd say Canadian. Right, yeah, I'd raise yeah. my hand. But I really like Persian culture and, you know, all the Persian food sure. <laughs> and the traditions <laughs> that come with it. Um, that defines me, I think. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. I mean, and there's no 
obviously there's no right or wrong answer to that. Did I do well? Is it okay? You did a very... Am I okay? Yeah. Yes. Yes. One thing, I mean, you mentioned animated and like we've known each other for a little bit, not long at this point, but you know, we're, I think what I'm really proud of, we're developing a friendship out of this, which is, which is nice. Um, and friendship. How, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just wanted to get on this podcast. Exactly. Friendship. Fancy lights. God damn it. Um, but I would describe, like, there's this charisma and energy about you that is always, always there. At least, you know, I can feel it, whether it's on the phone or in person. Like, where does that come from? Have you always been like that as a kid? Good question. Uh uh, the source of it is there is a fountain somewhere in Kilimanjaro. And that is all of the energy that I have there. I visualize that fountain in the Kilimanjaro and this channel inside me and about the boom, full of energy. Um, no, I wish I had an answer for where. I think it's just an, a mindset that I've had for as long as I can remember which that mindset is to always be the guy who makes people smile, who makes people laugh, who tries to be the light in people's day. Uh, whether it's someone I know or I don't know, I like to kind of be that light. And I think it stems from my dad. Uh, okay. As far as I can remember, my dad was always that, you know, that awkward dad that would like talk to the clerks or the cashiers at the at the at the grocery stores or yeah, yeah. you know call would, them by name, call them by yeah, hey yeah. Jennifer, how's your day? And he's like, Dad, you don't know Jennifer. Stop talking yeah, to her. Yeah, like he always was the guy who'd kind of like break any dull moment and make it fun and make it lively, and he'd okay. always joke. So I guess it would stem from my dad because I guess we're pretty impressionable as kids. Sure. And it kind of left its mark. Um, eh, mark. Um, but what I definitely say is, it, it from an early age, so to answer your question, I've always been this ball of energy. I was always the pest in, 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 in school, like okay. from elementary to high school. I was always like the class clown, always trying to get everyone to laugh and, yeah. you know, the, shocking. the witty comment and like, shocking. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You're looking at me, you're like, you look like a straight A quiet student. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It's just... I don't know. Uh, however, that being said, I remember as a top, as a child, child, my mom used to say you were the quietest kid. Really? Like, yeah, not a peep out of you. Okay. You could just be just like the quietest kid. And then I don't know. Must have been. I don't know what it was. Like Maybe my parents got divorced when I was four. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. I don't know what it was, but I've always been kind of like the animated person. Well, and for everyone listening, if you haven't read the show notes, um, probably no surprise, you spend a lot of time in comedy. Obviously, yeah. you're working with Just for Laughs and, and doing stand-up yourself. So I think uh, it seems to all be coming together and that you need, you need that, right? I'm, a, I'm assuming when you're on stage. Um, so, you know, working in comedy was a fluke. Like I never, really? yeah, I never aspired to work in comedy. I okay. like, well, when I was a kid, I wrote a letter to my favorite comic at the time, which was a French Canadian comic. Cause okay. I grew up French. I grew up very, very French. Like my yeah. upbringing was Quebecois French and thanks mom for that. That was dope because she knew that if you wanted to evolve in Montreal, you need to have your French yeah. first, right? Yeah. You lived in Montreal a bit. Yeah. You know how not having French as a skill set can definitely hurt Small you over problem. there. Small problem. Very petit problem. Putin. Um, and then he never got back to me, so that crushed my dream. His name was Anthony Cavanaugh. Mm. I, I sent him a you know handwritten letter at wow. seven, like, Anthony, I think you're great. I love comedy. You should write me. We should be pen pal. He never freaking answered. Okay. So 
from then on, I went to a, a very dark phase of my life. I started uh, having voodoo dolls with that guy and just like putting pins in him when I'd come back from home. And I went through an emo phase, very dark. Really? Em- no, I'm kidding. I'm um, like, I- no, all that was BS. Uh, all that to say. You almost had me there. Yeah. Actually, I no, think you but, did have me. So I was, what was I going with this? How did I get into comedy? I was working at a, um, the equivalent of like a future shop. Right. Okay. Or like a Best Buy. Yeah. And I had before Just for Laughs, believe it or not, I had over 35 different jobs. So from like 18 to 21, I just tried everything. Okay. And one of those jobs was a um, electronic salesman. Right. So I was just selling electronics, doing, you know, kind of like retail work. Um, and then I get a call from an, an ex-colleague who I worked with at Bell Canada. And he calls me up and he's like, Armin, you know, are you looking for a job? I'm like, well, you know, not really, but I'm always open. He's like, well, I've got a sales job for you, just for laughs, the biggest comedy festival in the world. I'm like, okay, sounds dope. He's like, "Uh, come meet me tomorrow, wear your finest suit. I'm like, oh man, dope, you know? Show up the next day and now I'm showing up to Saint Laurent Boulevard, downtown Montreal, to the Just for Laughs head office. And I'll never forget this, my interview. I, I go meet this guy and he like takes me to this room, a very like kind of like dreamy room, you know, like with giant windows and like just an open space. And it looks like a n- nice event room, right? Yeah. A table, two chairs. He sits me down. He's like, Armin, I got the job for you. I'm like, okay. He's like, it's a sales job for Just for Laughs. He's like, anything a client wants, you'll be able to deliver. The, the client lands on a plane and wants a pink shirt delivered to him, you could go and get a pink shirt delivered to him. I'm like, whoa, this sounds amazing. He's like, you'll be selling, you'll be known comics. I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. He's like, come, let me show you where the magic happens. He opens this huge double door. Now it's not glamorous at all anymore. It's this tiny little sweatshop. We're like 15, you know, college kids are just sloppily sitting. It's a call center. It's the Just for Laughs <laughs> ticket office. Amazing. It's like, Just for Laughs, two tickets, how can I help you? So that's what it was. So I got in at Just for Laughs in April 08 as just a call center job, which was, you know, kind of presented to me at this huge sales position. It was a call center job. And you know what? I started there in April 08 and I kind of just stuck to it. And 10 years later, I'm still here. Now I'm director of sponsorship uh, in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. That's a story. Right? Wow. So completely random. Did not script it at all. Uh, But it is the best place I've ever worked at. I've had so much fun. I've had so much uh, opportunity to grow. So many different, um, I'd say kind of categories in which I've worked. I yeah. worked in tourism. Uh, I produced my own gaming event. Yeah. Sponsorship sales. Really, really fun. Yeah. Well, and I can attest to, I mean, having spent five years in, in Montreal, Just for Last was was a huge highlight of, of us being there and just being part of the festival. Like, So I'm so, just having experienced JFL 42, which is the Toronto version, the mini version of uh, yeah. of the main event, let's say in Montreal, but it, it was just great to feel that again. So it's, I'm excited to see what, what's next. We bring magic, man. It we is make magic. people we, we make people laugh. We bring the best and the brightest in the game. Yeah, and we do it year after year for over 35 years now back home. So it's wow, wow. part of part of something big. I have to say. Yeah, was it you that told me this or someone else? That, you know, and, and this has stuck with me. But if you know, if you're not laughing, you're learning. If you're not learning, you should be laughing. Wow, never heard that. Okay, I thought it might have been might have been you, but it's 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 so true, you know. I mean, honestly, again, I'm preaching for my choir. It's my product, right? Comedy's yeah, what I sell. Sure. I love comedy. I love laughter, and if you don't laugh, 
you know, in your in your in your lifetime, if you're not someone who enjoys laughing, I don't know if I can associate with you. You're kind of freaky for me. Yeah. And fair. if you don't laugh fair. at li- like you know, like you have to laugh at yourself first and foremost. Yeah. You have to be able to laugh at others. You have to be able to laugh at, you know, our society sometimes yeah. can make you laugh. Like you just have to be ready to laugh. Yeah. Life's all about laughs. Well, no, and it's so. I mean, it's it is therapeutic, right? Like that's that's the other element. You can't. You can't be pissed off and super mad at the world and be laughing at the same time. Well, I, I guess you could, but I mean, I'm it, gonna interrupt you one second. Yeah, I am sweating. Yeah, bullets. no problem. I've been like realizing that why am I hot? This thing is in nylon or whatever it is, and not You're still ready. dressing like it's in Montreal. Whew, okay, <laughs> I, uh, I'm sweating balls now. I am good. Perfect. Okay, sorry about that. No, no. Uh, so I, you, you mentioned the uh, gaming. Yes. Because. You know, speaking of doing so many, you know, different roles and just kind of random things, the whole gaming scene or event that you put on with team of like what five or 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 below or slightly above, that was pretty interesting. So why don't we just, I mean, because that also led you down a you know another path, which I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. But why don't you explain a little bit about how the uh, it's called Mondial de Mondial Jeux. Mondial de Jeux. Okay. Um, absolutely. So again, got into JFL 2008, started the call center. Uh, it was supposed to be a summer job, got extended, worked in corporate sales for two years. So pretty much just going to different companies and selling corporate packages, which was pretty fun. Again, loved comedy, easy to sell, um, and always guarantees a good time. You know, live entertainment, always yeah. really fun. And after a while, then I got into tourism, which was another great opportunity for me. And also a, my first real opportunity to handle my own budget and do productions where I was in charge of representing and presenting Just for Laughs outside of Montreal, Mm. going to kind of vacation shows, tour and travel shows, and have that kiosk, you know those kiosks, like, hey, you want to come and enter a contest, win a car, you know, come and visit Niagara Falls on the lake, it's going to be beautiful. Well, I had the Just for Laughs stand, (laughs) and again, like, historically whatever was done was very beige just like a backdrop with like you know well here's uh, Montreal and here's some comics and come on down and laugh you know so I I, you know took it upon myself our present director of marketing at the time Andy Nolman and I worked on some really cool concepts to try to kind of innovate and come up with something that'll stir the pot so that was a really fun experience for two years for me and then I joined the sponsorship team this is about five six years ago okay And what happened was I wasn't even a year into my sponsorship role for the company where the ex-owner approached me and said, hey, Armin, I've got a project for you. It's in the gaming world. Are you a gamer? That was the first question he asked. I said, yes, I love gaming. I mean, I grew up with video games and board games. I love gaming. He's like, okay, here's the embryo of the project. Here's what people have done so far. I want you to take that, analyze it, study it, meet some people from tourism, you're starting this project. Do you want to start this project? I'm like, whoa. This was just like out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. You know, no like, hey, do you want to apply? No, no. It was like, hey, do you like games? Yeah. You want to start games? I'm like, yes. Okay, make game of it, please. I was like, okay. <laughs> so uh, I right away went and got someone that's much smarter than I am to be my uh, kind of partner in the project, someone that I'd been working with. His name's Guillaume. Uh, did I say smarter than I am? Yeah. Yeah, okay, smarter yeah. than I am. That's correct. Uh, I got him to join, and we did a lot of market study. We saw what was done, what the trends were. So before just you know, kind of like presenting a project, we really took time. And yeah. we met and surveyed a lot of people in the industry, um, in the board game world, in the video game world. And one of the projects that were 
that was brought to us was esports, right? So a few locals that were really passionate about esports came and presented a project to work with some French producers okay. that run an event called the Paris Games Week. And they said, hey, these guys have the Electronic Sports World Cup, which is a huge video game tournament at the Paris Games Week. So it's an esports tournament. It's been running for 15 years. These guys are interested in North America and they're looking for partners. So right away, I'm like, okay, electronic sports, what the hell is that? What's esports? I love video games. I've been to competitions, but what is esports? Then I started digging, and I guess, you know, everyone now knows esports is a huge thing, yeah. right? Huge in Asia, huge in Europe, and just starting to blow up in North America probably in the yeah. last five years. Well, I was going to say, it's still pretty new. Like when I started hearing about like full blown hockey arenas and football stadiums of, Esports. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, it's almost a bit underground. It's still underground, believe it or not. Even though I'd say it's more mainstream than it's ever been, it's still yeah. underground. It's still like a misunderstood kind of teen, right? No one really understands it still. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's the endemic brands that have already jumped in, you know, all the, you know, casual, the usual suspects, right? So the Microsoft and all the like computer parts companies are all behind it. But you have these non-endemic brands that are jumping on board, like Doritos or like Mountain Dew and okay, I don't know, yeah, like yeah. Red Bull. And they're all now seeing that, hey, we've got a, you know, young demographic or sometimes skews a bit older, depending on the game, that are not only playing this game, but are watching Watching others play, yeah. like you'd watch, let's say, or I'd watch the Canadians, or I'd watch, you know, I don't know, like the Raptors. Yeah, they have the same type of following for esports. Yeah, and now I, I don't know if you're familiar with the platform Twitch. Yeah. yeah, so Twitch was bought out five years ago by Amazon. I don't know if my numbers are correct, but you can Google it. Uh, was bought out for one billion dollars. Like a, like four or five yeah. years ago, and it's the biggest streaming platform for gamers. And you can go right now on the Twitch app, and you'll see like hundreds of thousands of people yeah, yeah. streaming, and then watching others stream and play their favorite games. So it's a whole other world. Yeah. Even Fortnite, right? Like that's the big one right now. It's like there's crazy Fortnite coaches. I heard making like four hundred thousand adult four hundred thousand dollars just training players yeah they're kids like <laughs> yeah they're they're parents right now that are like paying as you say like Fortnite tutors so that the kids can be better at this game yeah it's the whole video game it's world is and i really want to make a distinction between video games and esports it's two completely okay. different industries okay it's like um video games is you know what you and i could go and buy and play like you know you buy a console you play a game that's video games right yeah. but then the esports industry is a whole other industry like if you look at them as economic sectors like you know sony nintendo they'll all make money just off selling consoles and yeah. software you know people will make money off selling the software but then the esports industry is a whole other industry and it's like you know hundreds of millions of dollar industry so yeah. i brought it to just for laughs at the time and I was a bit before my time. I had to fight to, you know, get them to understand what the hell we were doing. Sure. And I'm like, guys, this is a huge opportunity. We don't have to pony up so much kind of upfront. All we'll do is we're partner with people that are smarter than us that have done this for a while. We'll bring it to Montreal. And you know what? In 2014, we did a small sample, small event, went very well. And in 2015, we actually had the world 
qualifiers in Montreal. So we had the World Cup of Counter-Strike, which is yeah. kind of a war game. And uh, we were a very small team. So to your point, we were about, you know, three full-time staff while you're working on it and a few temps. And we were organizing that international event as well as a two-week-long free event that coexisted with Just for Laughs. So we had two huge events kind of, yeah. you know, um, arriving at the same time for us to deliver so all the logistical needs all the you know hotel needs for these internationals and whatnot and now I'm kind of jumping from A to B here but yeah, yeah. so just to put you in context so we had our two week gaming event and then the Electronic Sports World Cup was in Montreal that summer, summer of 2015. We had 144 players from all over the world come to Montreal. Um, and they were representing different countries. We had uh, people from South Africa. We had a uh, team from Asia. We had a team from Finland, a team from Ukraine. Like, I was dealing with visas for Ukrainian players to try to come to Canada. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was a whole other thing, right? Um, getting the rooms, getting the, the venues, the transport coordinator. It was a whole, like, it was craziness. Yeah. And it was a huge success. I mean, we had, we sold out our tickets. We only had, you know, 300 tickets to sell, but it was $100 a ticket. So okay. still, you do the math, it's still very interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we got media coverage and we had, you know, kind of local TV shows kind of covering us and interviewing us and asking about our event. It, it, it did its thing, you know, it yeah, created yeah. a splash. Um, it was huge. It was the biggest experience of my life, that's for sure. Well, so thanks for sharing all that. It's super fascinating. Um, we could probably have a podcast on the whole, that whole topic in itself. But what I do want to get to, because not everyone can relate to obviously throwing a gaming event. They can relate to, I mean, the industry. But what they can for sure relate to is probably the stress that that, that caused. Yeah. Especially given, like, man, just managing people coming from, from different countries, like you said, with a small team like that and putting on the whole event. Like, I, I feel a bit anxious just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So why don't, why don't you share, like the lead up and then when you you kind of just cracked absolutely um so it, i saw it creeping up on me as we were getting closer and closer to the event so it was like the workload was climbing exponentially and the time was shrinking exponentially right yeah, so sure. like t time to delivery versus workload was just climbing and we were just stressing right and yeah. um i'm someone who's very uh, i don't know how to call it i guess it's uh, meticulous when it comes to like um, delivering something I want to make sure it's perfect and like I we're, we're all proud right we want to yeah. make our names behind something and I think everyone can relate to you know when you have a timeline you know as you get closer and closer it gets more and more stressful um, so that's just a normal pattern just you know more stress as you're getting closer to the time now where it got intense was all the moving pieces and the, and the and the size of the project and the little bit of help and support we did have and our resources were already maxed out yeah. everyone was overburdened um and i think what happened was again no sleep overworked so much so that uh, uh like i have a hard time talking about it but that same in that same time frame, my dad had a quadruple bypass surgery. He had oh, a huge wow. stroke, and I was so caught up in my work stuff that I didn't even, I didn't even know how to react to that. I w it was just another to do list. Yeah, it just yeah. fell in. An, oh, okay. So, okay, deliver this. Check with mayor for that. Blah blah blah. Go check on that at hospital. Like it was just yeah. another thing on my task list. Whereas, 
in retrospect, yeah. everything should have taken a back seat and I should have been sitting by his side. Yeah. You know, but you don't, you don't even, th- at this point I was already seeing that I was disconnected from reality. You're just in like pure autopilot kind of execution mode. Autopilot ex- execution mode, exactly. Okay. I'm not even thinking at this point. Yeah. It's uh, problem solving. It's, you know, thinking on your feet at 100 miles an hour. And it's just like trying to get all the moving pieces and organize them. Um, so even my brother from who lives in L.A. now had come down to Montreal and surprised me in the middle of the madness. And he looked like a mirage to me. That's how crazy. Like he yeah, popped yeah. into the image of the madness I said what's up and he disappeared out of it like that whole time frame for me is completely nuts and what I'll tell you is this the event was a a huge success and I guess the kind of success mixed with the exhaustion mixed with the level of like the the workload we had kind of like made this perfect circle of hell or I don't know how to say it just like perfect storm yeah and and from that day on, let's call it mid-July, I just disconnected from reality. Okay. So I could only explain it as just having, like my friends will remind me once in a while and say, remember when you were saying you see the codes in the matrix? <laughs> remember you see like, I understand everything. I take notes now. Like I see clearly now. And so I was not sleeping okay. at all. Like on a regular night, I'd sleep maybe two, three hours and wake up fresh, 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 ready to go. Like adrenaline. That was just adrenaline driving you through all your driving me through all of it. But actually, now adrenaline had kind of like become my normal way. Yeah, yeah. just that's what it was. It's like fast pace. I was already planning the next year's event and thinking about and and success to a certain extent had gone to my head. We had this big hotel room, like to the point as I was asking my um, hotel contact, like how much to rent the room for the year. You know, like just like yeah, yeah. like no normal person, you know, starts planning their life in a hotel room. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. after one pretty good event, like I had completely disconnected from reality and just went on with my life. Everything was going fast. I booked a two week run with my soon to be fiance. Yeah. So this three years ago, I proposed her in Napa Valley. Even everything we did on vacation was fast paced. Go, 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 uh, go. Everything, go to parties, go to events. We were at Guy La Liberté, the guy from Cirque du Soleil's place in Beverly Hills. Parties, go, 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 go. Until September hit. When was the event? July. It was July, okay. So mid July, so call it July 11th, 2015. Okay. Uh, July 13th and then July 15th the event is done success everything's good the rest of our activities are going we even had a huge chess tournament later in the in the same month our festival wrapped up craziness parties events then a two weeks vacation call it August running around again build up woo hype 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 and then September early September back in a normal workflow Back into reality, back into nine to five, back into planning and kind of normal life. Then all of a sudden, you know, some of the warnings were, you know, let's go to lunch. Food wasn't tasting that good. I'm just same spot that I'd love. My Vietnamese go-to joint, like, tasted drab. Okay, I love playing video games. So, calm down. I love playing video games. Go to play video games? Nope, not interested. Huh. Every little thing that I do that would bring me joy was lackluster. Wow. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And I was like, okay, this is a bit weird. And then we had an end of September business trip to Paris for Paris Games Week. And we were going to see our partners with whom we've delivered the event. and We're planning for the next event. And in the middle of my Paris trip, 
I woke up one day and I just couldn't stop crying. Wow. I could not stop crying. I could not see the light out of anything. I was in Paris, one of the nicest cities in the world. Yeah. You know, going to an event that I loved about video games that I'm passionate about. And I had no will at all to be there. No will at all to kind of come back to my reg. I had just lost it. I had lost touch with myself. I couldn't um, imagine myself working. I could, nothing. I would yeah. see a, a, a guy working at a bakery and I'm like, I want his life. I want to be a baker. I'd see a guy driving a cab. I'm like, wow, I wish I was a cab driver. I, I would compare myself to everyone. Everyone seemed happier and better off than yeah. I was. And for no good reason at all, everything just started crashing around me. And, and, com I j and coming from the happy, energetic, super charisma yeah. guy. Yeah. And I think, and you, you, you just said it, that was probably the toughest thing for me is, again, being that ray of light or that yeah. kind of sunshine in everyone's day all of a sudden I couldn't even be that for myself. I couldn't even figure out what the hell was going on. It's like someone had taken the carpet from under my feet and I was just like, what the hell's going on, right? Yeah. So, so much so that it was affecting me physically. Like, you know, sorry, sorry to be graphic, but my testicles had like gone up inside my body and were like just nesting there. Wow. And I thought I had some kind of disease. I was yeah. panicking. I went to the doctors in Paris, covered oh, by my insurance, smokes. to go get okay. x-rays and shit. I'm serious. I freaked out. I was like, it was a panic attack. Yeah, That's yeah, almost sure. what it was. Um, you know, results came negative. Everything was fine. There was nothing wrong with me physically. Um, but I came back to Montreal and it, 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 it started. So my depression started there. It was... I, you could call it a depression and a burnout. I went to my physician. She, you know, originally prescribed me some meds, you know, antidepressants and this and that and anti-anxiety pills. And I didn't uh, follow through on those. I'm not a big believer on uh, big pharma. We could talk about that on a separate sure. note if we want. Um, but then I was advised to start consulting. Um, and I went on a leave of absence for work. I took a month off work and started consulting. And that was kind of the first step towards me getting out of, you know, my sure. the dark the dark uh, pass passing that I was in. So just like with a psychologist type. Setup? So the first person that I met was a therapist, yeah. just a general therapist. Okay. Um and then I was through my work referred to a uh, psychotherapeut, so okay. psychotherapist, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was seeing both at the same time and okay. two different approaches. One was a bit more uh, objective. The other one was a bit more analytical. Um, and we kind of, I worked on with both separately and did about 10 sessions with each. Uh, read a lot, um, whether, whether it's self-help books, uh, The Power of Now from Eckhart Tolle helped mm. me a lot. Yeah. Um, some friends sending me snippets of like, you know, random, you know, kind of motivational quotes or whatever they would like. Yeah, I, yeah. I was really lucky. I had a really good circle, whether it's my dad, my mom, my friends, everyone around me was very supportive. Uh, even my work, uh, you know, they gave me as much space as I needed to kind of get better. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, I'd call it from October to December of complete darkness. Yeah. I started seeing the light around Christmas time, but even then I wasn't at a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, th thanks for being so vulnerable on, on the show and just opening up. Cause I'm sure 
I, well, I can say with 100% certainty, just knowing the stats in mental health, right? Like there's people listening to this that are probably going through something similar, have gone through or know someone that's going through this. So thank you for, for sharing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really helpful. What I do want to ask, I mean, because I don't want to, I don't want to pry in, in, in all the details, but how, like, what are some of the tools that you've you've kept in your life to kind of keep you from not going back into, you know, one of those slumps or in, into that scenario again? Um, one of the things that really applies to my scenario is being grounded. Okay. Just because of the disconnect that I felt after going through so much of an adrenaline rush and of a heavy workload is no matter what that was, I didn't let it, well, after the event, I don't let any type of success, uh, instant uh, instant gratification from an event kind of get to my head. That's one thing okay. that I've, that's my takeaway is that I'll see it come. I'll see that emotion of like, well, you did it. You know, you broke the roof. Like now things are, and then I'll just calm myself down and like breathe out. Right. Okay. It's like, yeah, I was going to ask you like, how do you actually do that? It, so some breath work or it's almost like seeing it. It's like seeing the emotion. It's like seeing yourself. It's almost like if I, Oh, gravity buttons off. Oh shit. I'm 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 heading towards the Okay, gravity yeah. button on. Okay, okay. It, so the first thing that just to to I'll, I'll get back to that, but I say to very honestly to myself that the depression was the best thing that ever happened to me, believe it or not. Okay. Because now every challenge in my life, whether it's a success or a failure, I feel like I have that skill set to be able to see it. So how would I kind of best describe what are the tools that I use is really just being very self-aware. You know, part of that three month darkness that I went through was really no one was able to get me out of that darkness. Again, I'm I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about family. It was all very nice and very cute and not not cute. Cute is like kind of being condescending. No, it was very, very um I, I was very appreciative of the help and love sent my way. Like, I'll never forget it. You know, everyone that was there uh, in my life at that time, like that lent a hand. And it was as easy, again, as sending me a YouTube video. One of the things that helped me the most, and to this day I quoted still, and I don't know if I've told you about it, was a video a buddy of mine, Gabriel, sent me about a rabbi who's a, okay. who's a psychotherapist or a psychologist. And he talks about the humans being like lobsters. Oh, okay, yeah. And I'll have to find this and link it in the show notes. But you provided that example. Please do share. And he goes, you know, the lobster in its life um, will go through different phases. Um, but one of the things is, th- you know, once it comes to life, eventually in, it'll life, in its life, it'll start feeling pressure. And it'll start feeling pain. And it will feel very, very uncomfortable. Well, that's because it's outgrowing its shell. So what it'll do is the lobster will go find a rock and hide under that rock and lose its shell and become extremely vulnerable. So vulnerable that it could be attacked by any prey and die. But it hides under the rock and what it does is it grows a new, harder, larger shell for it to keep growing. Mm. And it does that multiple times in its life. Now the human, as soon as it feels pressure, as soon as it feels pain, 
uncomfortable, what it'll do is it'll go, doctor, I feel pain. Doctor, I can't sleep. Doctor, I feel uncomfortable. They'll give you pills. They'll re- you know, repress, yeah. suppress the, the feeling and go on with their lives. But they're never dealing with that problem. Yeah. But what they have to do, and that's, again, in retrospect, now I see that I had to go through that to break that shell and get a new Mm -hmm. tougher one you need to go through things to get better you can't just see them medicate and say okay the problem's there i'm just going to push it further and further away from myself like you know like let's say it's a meter away i'll just like take some pills now it's like a mile away we'll deal with it when it's closer again no and the shell's harder now right And, and that's why i say it's the best thing that ever happened to me because i feel like a stronger person mentally that I've ever been because I'm so self-aware because I went through, you know, the, 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 the horrible thing that is depression, right. And to face yourself because you know what depression for me anyways is, you know, you got to face yourself. You can't, you can BS everyone in a room, but you can't BS yourself. Yeah. Right. When you're faced with yourself, there's no one else listening anymore. It's just you and your thoughts. You got to face them. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to your question, some of the tools, again, is having gone through it is being able to um, acknowledge or see when emotions are either pulling me down or they're pulling me up like the kind of like losing control. So either all of a sudden I won't see joy in anything. I'll question myself like, oh, like, am I in the right career? Am I doing the right things? Or if I'm about to do something live, whether it's, you know, emceeing or comedy, am I good enough? Am I funny enough? Am I, uh, you, you notice these emotions and you just, you see them. You're able to put them on a, on a, on a wall and look at them. That's my tool anyways, okay. is to be able to recognize those emotions, good or bad. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah, you're seeing the triggers. And it's like that, you're getting pulled up to that 30,000 foot view, right? And like, okay, I've seen these before. Manage them. So is there anything, though, like that you think has attributed to you being able to act? Because people... Having interviewed a lot of people now, self-awareness is by far the the biggest theme that comes out. Mm. And everyone's, I think, on a different path on their their journey of self-awareness, but it seems like individuals that are performing at high levels personally and professionally just keep becoming more and more self-aware. And you're no different, like you're exactly what you just described. But what are, like, are there things that are helping you you know kind of see that clarity like other practices that you're doing on a frequent basis i mean yeah i think for me um just being physically active has helped a lot the mental clarity because when i finish a workout or finish a uh what's it called one of those boot camps or anything that i'm doing that drains me physically after those um moments i feel like that's where my brain is clear and like again obviously there's the endorphins released by the physical activity so you feel good but in those moments is where I can really take a deep breath and kind of okay what is there things bothering me is there what's coming up what are my and it's cliche but the power of now from Eckhart Tolle yeah is it Eckhart Tolle is that how they call him Eckhart Tolle is it it sounds good to me Kim do you know is it Tolle is it Tolle no, I don't know. I, I don't know. It just, it's Eckhart Tolle. That, that works. Yeah. Okay, we'll call him Eckhart Tolle. Um, in his power of now, you know, focusing on now is probably the best tool that I um, have discovered through my journey. Okay. Um, 
which which you know it's cliche it's easy to say focus on now but yeah. you'll start seeing your mind pull you in a hundred different directions and it comes back to again being self-aware and seeing it that's so my biggest takeaway from all of this is now i can see my mind take me and pull me left and right yeah. and try to take me away from what's the like most important which is right now i'm sitting in front of you yeah. having a great chat there's uh steam whistle water here yeah. we're killing it <laughs> Exactly. You know, but it's so easy for your mind to say, okay, what, who's listening to me right now? What do I look like on, on the video? And, and, and what, what's people's reactions going to be to my, my, my tone or what's my, yeah. but that's all like, it's not real. It's all BS. Yeah. And the sooner it's narrative. it's narrative. And, and that's probably, again, the, the best tool that I have or the best, exercise that I do is to notice that I'm no longer living in the now right I'm yeah. I'm not here now I'm there mind why are you here come back now and what is actually bothering me right like if I'm feeling an, a negative emotion whether yeah. I'm feeling down or anxious okay Armin like that's it so speaking to myself it's funny I'm, I'm deciphering this as we're speaking we're figuring it out I'm hashing things out <laughs> doctor I, I, my mom used to hit me no um, <laughs> it's really to see it to break it down and to shut that voice up and say, no, there's not, it's self-confidence, but that self-confidence comes from being self-aware, which comes from being at the lowest point you've ever gotten in your life and thinking that like I had suicidal thoughts at that, in that yeah. phase, in those three, like in those three months, which again was probably a bit more before and a bit more after, you know, like let's call it five months Yeah. in that period I had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Right. I had thoughts of like, you know, what if I ended it? Sure. So what's, you know, okay, I'm hurting friends and family, but at least I'm drowning out the bullshit. Yeah. I didn't want to face the bullshit. I didn't want to go through the motions and having to face myself. It's a fucking hard thing. Yeah. Pardonnez mon français. Yeah. <laughs> Accepted. Um, yeah. So that's it. So I, sure. I guess, I guess it's, yes, physical activity and just being self-aware. You said it again and it, it sounds simple, but it's just seeing things, intercepting them, dissecting them. Um, and taking more time to, 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 to look inside. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to say, I mean, there's reflection there, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that on, on our side, that's all we're trying to do is to help people stimulate reflection in, in whatever way we can. Um, and everyone's different. That's, that's what I want to get across in all these conversations, right? You, it's, it's kind of stepping back, seeing those emotions, seeing the, the events circulate around and then kind of having some self-talk with yourself, right? And that's working for you. And arguably it, it has to be working because uh, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're checking things off a bucket list and which is a great thing, but it, you know, it didn't come from a great thing, obviously, mm. and probably arguably one of the hardest things you'll, you'll ever have to go through. And that's, that's a loss of uh, unexpected loss of one of your brothers. Yeah. And this is fresh. Obviously we're, we're speaking now it's September and this is happening in January. That's right. right. So <clears throat> obviously these tools have helped you through this journey, right. And, and processing that emotion is, is, you know, is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so my youngest brother, uh, Pejman, who uh, was uh, 22 at the time earlier this year in January, that's right, passed away. I was in Thailand. No, actually Cambodia with my fiance on an amazing Southeast Asia trip. And uh, she found out through Facebook uh, while she was just looking at her feed, seeing people write rest in peace on his wall. 
and yeah, I called home, stopped the bus. We were heading from one city to another, and uh, that's right. He had overdosed overnight uh, after a night of partying. It was going to be his 23rd birthday, so 22, never got to see 23, and uh, we flew back home uh, in what seemed to be the longest 48 hours mm-hmm. of my life, um, just dealing with the emotions like it we're nine months later now and it's still it's still tough to digest of course um and yeah he 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 passed away on january 15th and again in a whirlwind of emotions and and craziness and logistical nightmares we made our way back to montreal for the funeral service um and i had no choice but to kind of take it upon myself to kind of be the guy because my dad was obviously unable to digest everything very understandably so um we don't have the same mom uh, so his mom was also obviously completely shattered so i had to again in that tough tough time kind of take it upon myself to be the leader to Mm -hmm. be the force to be the strength so i put on a bit of excuse me put on a bit of a shell to be the, the 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 big man on campus to um, you know, do the speeches, uh, take the decisions, you know, what's going on with his body. And they cremated his body 48 hours after. And all of those really yeah. tough administrative decisions that you have to do. But like all those aside, um, it just blindsided me. Yeah, Completely blindsided me. And uh, and uh, I, I, I didn't know... I mean, obviously, you know, you can blame, you can look at yourself to blame, you can look at who to blame, uh, but I quickly realized that that won't bring him back. Mm. So I I had to think about what could I do to honor him, right? Um, he was such a ball of joy. He was such a, a light. Again, very similar to his brother. He was yeah. always the, you definitely know if you met him, right? Okay. Everyone who's met him knows they met PJ. He was, yeah. um, I actually have a tattoo of, of, of a saying that he always used to say in French, which was foo vibe. Like he was just this foo vibe. He was like always on, an, he was on another plane. And the, the proof was, was at his funeral service, all these kids, and I'd call them kids because they're all 20, yeah, yeah. coming in, crying, pouring their hearts out, telling all inspirational stories of how Pejman touched them somewhere or another. And yeah. he was just, he was he was what he was like whoever he was he was not ashamed of it he was an open book um so you know i don't necessarily believe in in god or religion but i do believe in energies and i felt that day when i was at the funeral service that i had to take his energy and put him on my shoulder and carry him with me um, and much to your point of the bucket list, that day for me was definitely a turning point in my life to realize that, you know, I'm 31, I'm not getting any younger, um, and I've been in comedy for 10 years, and, you know, enough putting everything in a in, in, a, in a shelf for later or, yeah, or yeah. you know, postponing things that you want to do. Um, and I have this, you know, kind of second wind in me now that when I feel like I'm down and out, you know, I've got PJ on my shoulder giving me that extra nudge. Yeah. Um, whenever I'm about to go on stage, I look up to PJ and I ask him for that extra confidence and that extra um, energy. And uh, and it and it's and it's proven to be the the hardest thing that I've ever had to go, go through for sure. Um, uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm using it as fuel. Yeah, 
I'm using it as fuel. And again, I, I try to convert the negative into positive because that's the toughest thing to do. Yeah. It, it's normal to, to be sad. Yeah, you know, I, I get moments where I'm crying alone, just thinking of him or something will happen. And social media is an asshole for that. Yeah. Uh, and I have to point it out, you know, like you can't delete someone's account that's passed away. So, you know, I'll go look back at photos and, oh, you know, I see his name as someone who liked the photo and like, oh, a Facebook reminder of a memory that we shared yeah. together years ago. And it's like, man, yeah. you know, let me grief. God damn yeah. Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, no, it, it's it's not easy. Um but I believe that with the tools that I have, that I have, with the with the self awareness that I have, every time again I see it as a negative, I'll try to convert it as a positive. And and for PJ's sake, I know that he's up there or wherever he is, he'd want me to have the yeah. best life. Yeah. And 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 he looked up to me a lot. And uh, and you know I I love them dearly and. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm honoring him by just yeah. being me to the max and not like if he'd see me be down and if he'd see me just, you know, curl up in a ball and yeah. like kind of wait for death. I know that he'd be even more hurt than he is now because I'm sure he he sees the pain he's caused by leaving us early. But if he can be even a, if he can have had a little role in my success. Yeah. Right. In my own growth curve, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he's he's happy wherever he is. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for for sharing that and and I think I think he's proud. I mean, he it, he's part of the reason we met, right? I mean, you probably wouldn't have been doing the stand up for passion uh, event where we met, yeah. uh, which is a seven minute basically share of a story, which which is where I first heard that story. Uh, and here you are, you know, sharing your story and sharing how you went through that first depression where this is going out to thousands of people across the world. So I think he, he's also looking down and, you know, given, you know, you're honoring that, that, that quote on your, on your chest yeah. proudly. You're, you're living that, that quote, right? Yeah, and I have him on my on my forearm as well. I have a piece for him that I had to do the week of, and everyone yeah. has their own way of dealing with it. For sure. me to kind of externalize the pain and and feel it on my arm, that five hour session with my with my tattoo artist to commemorate him, and and the piece itself is not reflecting on him, but it has his name and his date of birth and date of death, and and it just every day I can look. And, and and see him and channel him through this right through this manifestation through this work of art that's on me yeah. thank you alex for this lovely piece um i uh i i do believe that he's there with me you yeah. know and again like it's not a religious thing it's really an energy thing i feel yeah. like um if he were around he'd just be there in my corner like he's my he's the he's my coach and i'm rocky right yeah, yeah. He's, he's in my side he's in my corner he's yeah. just giving me that extra love to keep going forward and uh yeah I, I, it sucks to say it like this like i almost see it as if he was a martyr yeah. and he died for the greater cause which was to give me fuel which again this is a very selfish way of looking at things but i'm trying to really look at it in a positive light because like you have to give yourself a reason why you know yeah. what is he doing yeah, well yeah. why is that happening you know because if not you could just say life's so unfair and yeah damn course. the world and blame everyone else for everything that's fucking going on and you're processing yeah which is healthy right 
it's yeah. going back to the shell example. You're you're not staying in that small shell and just pressure, pressure, pressure. You're, I mean, the tattoo, the, that's one way, right? Of processing, which is mm. so, so important. So let's then, let's talk about what makes you smile on a daily basis. Because you're smiling still, right? Which... Yeah. Um, you're you're great energy to be around, man, and it's 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 an honor to, to to know you. So I have to ask, what makes you smile each day? You know, I love making people smile, right? Yeah. I love um, just being able to have people feel emotions around me. I love to be a part of people's emotions. Um, I'm driven by human interactions. I really am. I, I dealing with humans in any in any way, whether it's professionally through my work, whether it's personally through my art stuff, you know, through yeah. uh, emceeing or, or doing stand up, or I just, and even just on my normal interactions with my friends and family, I just like to make people laugh. So what makes me smile is seeing other people um, interact around me and just being a part of those interactions. I, I like human interactions yeah. a lot. And if not, it's, it's with what happened to me is just being grateful with everything. Yeah. Like literally just doing a uh, summary of where I am today, where I've come from, yeah. you know, kind of a quick biography of my life every moment and saying, OK, well, you came from this. Now you're here. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. High five. And I'm and I have a lovely fiance who's here just, you know, cheering me on uh, friends and family that are great. I love my mom. I love my dad. Uh, I have one brother left that I'm going to visit in LA uh, next weekend that I'm yeah. super excited to see on my mom's side, Bobby. I mean, yeah, I just, I'm happy to be alive, man. Let's yeah. just call it that. I'm really happy to be alive. And that just gets me going every day. I wake up, I'm like, huh, I'm still here, You're man. Here, yeah. It's I'm another here. day. That's it. Yeah. Going through the motions. Let's go and let's make some, let's make people laugh. And I believe in, you, we were talking about, you know, if you're not learning, you're laughing. If you're not laughing, you're learning. Yeah. I mean, I believe laughter is a big role, big, big, yeah. big part of my life is just making people laugh, laughing myself. Yeah. Amazing. And you mentioned a bit in that answer just about some reflection. And this will be the last the last question. I want to respect your time. And, and Kim's probably starting to look at us like, get out of the booth. Yeah. Um, There's a line up outside. Yeah, we, exactly. we need to film podcasts. Close right, Kim? Lines. Are we there? Yeah, we're about there. Yeah. What? <laughs> yes. Amazing. That um, makes three. That exactly. Total three fans. You, uh, my my girlfriend, and Kim. Kim. Perfect. <laughs> I will sell you cheap tickets to my show. Exactly. Discount code uh, fan club. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> um, so I have to get your reflective questions. Those will be, as you know, loaded directly into the app, uh, along with obviously your story and everything you shared today. These are some really important prompts that hopefully will resonate with others listening and, and help stimulate some reflection on their own. So just again, like there are three questions. They don't have to be daily. They can be daily. They can be being during big life changing events. Um, but just things that, you know, get you thinking. Um, we talked a little bit about yeah. this, but if all else fails, will I be able to survive? Yeah. For me, that's a huge one. As in, if tomorrow I don't have everything that I have, my material possessions, my social status, my, you know, just like my friend circle, my family, if all else fails, yeah. will I be able to survive? 
right? And I think a second question to that is, who am I? Yeah. Right? Who am I? What defines me? Is it my shirt and pants? Is it my job and title? Or is it my actions? Or is it who am I inside, right? So I think those two go very, very, um, hand. they go hand in hand, as in who am I and if all else fails, will I be able to survive, yeah. right? Because if you get to that roadblock, if you create yourself, if you create a roadblock that doesn't exist, if you ask yourself that question and the answer is, yeah, I'll be, I'll be fine, yeah. then fucking go. Yeah. Right. Don't be afraid of that hurdle. Don't be afraid of that roadblock. Just go. And even if all else fails, you're ridiculed, you're shamed, you're a bum now, you have to live on the street, you're homeless. Will you be able to survive? Yeah. So so that's Powerful. one. That that for me it's it it really it really helps in those tough moments or in those moments where I'm doubting myself. It's like, yeah. let's say I'm done. I've not nothing. Will I be able to survive? And the answer almost every time is yes. And then it puts a smile on my face. Yeah. I'm like, fine, go. Yeah. And They're I've, t- and, and I've, and I've talked about this at stand up for passion. It comes from a saying that I translated from Farsi, which is like a fish in open water. Okay. As long as you know how to swim, you'll never be afraid of the ocean. Yeah. Right. Which is like yeah. the skill set you need to survive in the world is not like, it's not rocket science. It's like be a decent person and like find food. And yeah, yeah. and even that like is overhyped, you know? You don't need that like three course meal and like the, the you, you don't even need to eat every day, to be quite honest. It's yeah. just we think where we're used to it. We need to keep the the global wheel spinning, you know? You <laughs> eat, you take out, you cook, you buy, you cook. Okay, I'm not going to get into those Alex Jones conspiracy theorists. They're they're on to us. Ah, the government. <laughs> Um, okay, that was reflective point number one. Um, when you got a who am I, that's a good question. Yeah, and who am I, I think, is kind of overarching in everything yeah. in life, knowing yourself, and that's self-awareness, and that's um, that introspection that people need to do. Um, yeah. You can't love, you can't understand others, you can't, you can't be a dick to anyone, seriously, if you don't even know who you are. How do you know what you like and don't like yeah. and kind of like impose that, onto someone else if you don't even know who you are yeah. take some time yo look in the mirror looking yeah. at the man in the mirror okay um, it, it, is what I'm doing moral or not and mm. right and again it's it's what is moral what is not what is right what is wrong but you should be able to answer that question you know yeah. there you know the judge is you Right. There's no one else watching. Is what you're doing ethical or moral? Are you doing something? Are you about to do something that's not right? And that can be as easy as a deal, like a business deal. You're about to sign a deal with someone. Yeah. And and nowadays, and that's I guess the way of like our global economy is like, you know, like we just have to make the most profit, and, but we lose touch of actually who we are as humans. Is am I, am I really fucking someone here? Yeah, right? Yeah, Is someone like yeah. really getting screwed in this deal? Yeah. And 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 now I'm turning Powerful. it to business, but again, like every day we take decisions as small as they are that could really fuck someone else's life up. Yeah. And we don't even we don't even pay attention because we're so focused on ourselves that we don't even think to 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 think of the impact of what we're doing. Yeah. Right? And I think if sometimes you could just take that 30 second breather before you take a big decision or, or a small decision and think, am I really Am I doing something wrong here? 
And not wrong on, on the social plane, just on your own. Like, do you feel like this is why I sleep well at night? Is that I know that I'm not doing anything unethical. You know, I'm I'm being me at its purest form. I'm loving in every action that I do. I don't have that burden. I'm not trying to fucking connive and you know bypass people and like ah, get ahead, I'll step on you. Yeah. I don't care if I stay in the same social grade or like I'm not going up to the higher ranks because I'm not walking over people. I'll I'll stay where I am and not walk over and people. You know, night. and I'll yeah. sleep at night. Yeah, these are great. Thank you so much for sharing them. Um, thank you for your time. Again, your your openness, vulnerability. And, you know, thank you personally for me, but everyone listening and, and everyone out there that's affected by your work because, you you know, honestly, you're, you're changing a lot of lives through laughter and sharing the story and just letting people know there's there's hope out there, right? And these I think these, these questions really help frame that up. So... Looking forward to that journey to continue with you. And if I can end on one thing, and it's it's a simple thing, is in life, and especially in business, and in the in the corporate world that a lot of us live in, because you're right, I guess the theme of what I'm talking about is really how to deal with the corporate game, right? And Because that's what affected me, and that's what put me on this journey, is there's always two ways of getting someone to do something for you, right? You can either dictate and just like, you know, just walk all over people and like just tell them what to do and be kind of that asshole boss that we all know right or you could just be a normal freaking human being and just be nice right and just sit down with the person and nice doesn't give you the fat checks right nice normally doesn't that's what they say nice guys finish last right but I'm not saying being naive and like oh you fucked up oh well isn't that too but no there's a middle ground there but you could still be like a kind decent human being even in corporate interactions and like tell someone like that they messed up but in a correct way and not like ruin their lives and have them like standing off the bridge wanting to kill themselves because like you just call them all the names in the book and 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 that for me is a way that i like to run my operations whoever's on my teams i like to treat everyone with respect and like love and fairness and if you're listening and you're one of those asshole bosses like just realize that everything you're doing you can get better results optimize results if you just like you know sit with the person and understand where they're coming from and give them love and support a little empathy yeah empathy anyways i just went on a random rant there no let's end with cheers into being nice with our steam whistle water steam whistle water to being nice thank you mark it's a pleasure and uh long live keo conversations yes thank you 